Oh, we got to get to that CDC warning, the Centers for Disease Control. Oh, yes. People need to stop reusing and washing condoms. Oh. Here's, here's why it's not a good idea, according to the CDC. We'll get to those reasons. All right. <laughs> wow. Public um, service. Yeah, uh, no yeah, kidding. Nice. So uh, our producer, Sean, stumbled a, a, a post across a Twitter feed the other day, in which one of our favorite guests was going on about the uh, the relationship between Trump and the media during the campaign and since he was elected president. It's really pretty interesting. Indeed, and the author of said Twitter rant was one Jay Cost, the author of The Price of Greatness, among uh, a number of really terrific books. He's also a visiting scholar, the American Enterprise Institute. He joins us now. Hello, Jay. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. I really want to talk to you about the uh, the Trump Twitter feed thing. Remind us, what's The Price of Greatness about, your new book? Uh, it's about James Madison and Alexander Hamilton. So uh, you is like it a musical, musical or is it just a There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I hummed it along. Sure, you know what? You, you, you have uh, Call up Jay. He'll read it to you in, in, in verse and tune and the rest of it. So hey, uh, what uh, prompted you to uh, unleash the rant yesterday or the other day and, and, and tell us about what was on your mind? Uh, I was... I, I was watching all of these, um, you know, these uh, C, the CNNs. I think it's, I don't remember who it is, whatever. They, I think it's Jim Acosta, who's their sort of White House correspondent slash, you know, Peacock, right? Who's got to be out there sort of talking about how important journalism is in the age of Trump and blah, blah, blah. And he was. He was at the Trump rally, and they and he was getting booed by the Trump people, the Trump voters, and they, you know, he was just all worked up about it on on Twitter, and it, it, I was just really struck that the relationship between Trump and the national news media has been for decades symbiotic. That both sides are getting something off of this, and to suggest that they're like they're. You know, it's conflict, but it's mutually beneficial conflict, and they're all just playing a game. And it just really, enough is enough with these guys. Well, it reminds me so much of, uh, like, a professional wrestling tour where two guys, oh, yeah, they're known, they're enemies, they hate each other, and, and they go town to town hating each other and cashing the checks. Yeah, that's exactly right. When I was a kid, Donald Trump, so I, I was a kid in the 80s and the early 90s, and when I was a kid, Donald Trump was a joke. He was a, he went bankrupt building the Taj Mahal, basically put the Taj Mahal, a billion dollar casino on a credit card. And he went bankrupt and he was a joke. And his reputation in the last 20 years has been rehabilitated because of The Apprentice, which was put on NBC, which owns MSNBC. But it was put on NBC by the president of NBC television, who's Jeff Zucker, who is now the president of CNN. Interesting. And so, you know, they, these these networks, these cable these cable networks, the people running these these news networks, were responsible for his rehabilitation. And you know, Trump parlayed that into a political career, and now they're all, you know, rubbing their hands and bemoaning the fact that oh, we have to save the republic. It's like you guys are responsible, at least in part, for putting us in this position in the first place. So your your point is. That um, the media didn't do a great job with Donald Trump of uh, treating him like a regular candidate and uh, and 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 holding him to account on things he said or did or various things he believes while they were getting good ratings out of it um, and and helped build him up. 
Exactly. Donald Trump has always been good for the media. He Back in the 80s, he helped the New York Post and other news outlets in, the, in New York City sell copies. And during the 2016 presidential campaign, he was great for ratings. He puts on a great show. It's, it's at the core of his business model, if you will. You know, that's what he does. He puts on a great show. And the media just ate it up because he was good for ratings, and they didn't. You're right; they didn't ask him hard questions. They didn't put him on the spot. They ran. To, remember, every 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 hour of every day, if you turned on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, they'd be airing live a Trump rally just because you didn't know what the guy was going to say next, and it was great for ratings. But how? That's not good for our political process that wasn't fair well how about how about now since he's president how about the fact that the media uh takes everything that happens and acts like it's uh every every single little thing that happens is watergate or proof that he's hitler hasn't it gone completely uh, unrealistically the other direction it has and i think but weirdly enough though i still think they're working together or not working together but i think they're collusion yeah (laughs) but like this Good for Trump, because everything, when real stories come out, he can always shout fake news, right? So he can deflect with his own base Sure. when he does something that he shouldn't have done or gets called to the floor on something that he should get called to the floor. So he can call fake news. And then the media has this sort of diehard group of, you know, viewers who are want a constant stream of information suggesting that Trump's end is imminent. So both sides are getting something out of it now. And in that way, it, in that way it's still kind of like the way it's always been. Jay Cost is uh, with us. Well, it, it, being attacked causes people to band together and be loyal to each other. So it does Trump an amazing service for the CNNs and MSNBCs of the world to be at his throat all the time. Uh, often unnecessarily, often justifiably, but uh, as they serve their own base. Uh, if CNN ever ran out of money, Trump should pay Jim Acosta's salary. Oh, yeah, Because no I think he does him in uh, an amazing service, a valuable no, service. No, absolutely he does. I mean, and he, Acosta is just putting on his own show, is what he's doing. Sure. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's supposed to be a correspondent, but he's actually, you know, the star in his own little drama. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm sure it's made him more, more famous and uh, feel better about himself than he's ever been. I was thinking about this as I was watching the rally the other day and then the coverage of the rally. Trump says and does things that make it difficult for me to root for him. Then the media does and says things that make it very difficult for me to root against him. Yeah, isn't that something? If you're going to be honest with yeah, yourself. Yeah, I, tot- I totally agree. I, I, I've ha- I'm confronted with that problem all the time. I mean, for me, you know, it, it's like being a Washington Redskins fan and watching the Dallas Cowboys play the New York Giants. And what are you going to do? You I know, you. Just root, root for injuries. I don't know. <laughs> root <laughs> well, for injuries. Wow. Well, <laughs> watch the NASCAR and root for crashes. Exactly. So, uh, Jay, why Hamilton and Madison? Well, because they're, they were young guys when they wrote the Constitution, and they were really smart, um, and they were good friends. But then they became these bitter enemies, and their ideas, it was really a, a, a fight over big ideas, which I think is just really was an interesting story, and I just thought it hadn't been told in a fair, even-handed manner yet. Yeah, you know, I should read your book. I read a lot of those kind of books, and I think one of the the, the, the missing parts of the whole founding generation 
is um, is this assumption that they were in agreement on things. Right. <laughs> they disagreed every bit as much as people disagree now. Well, and Jay, oh, I... Oh, absolutely. Ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, the, in, in Hamilton, um, uh, to borrow a phrase from Stephen Nott, who's a professor at the Naval War College, um, at a panel I was on recently, said, you know, the, the 1790s, the way Madison and Jefferson went against Hamilton was really the start of the politics of personal destruction. I mean, they decided he was, a, he was their political opponent, so one of their strategies was just to ruin his reputation. I mean, it was bitter and brutal and really fascinating. Oh, yeah, and everybody claiming the other side was selling out the spirit of the revolution, you know, and that went on for decades. Right, right. Well, I'm too cerebral to get uh, caught up in the personal conflict narrative, Jay. I'm more interested in in the fact, I think I recall correctly from a previous conversation about your book, that uh, both of those bitter combatants were right, and it was the balance between them that was uh, that made the country in large part successful. Yeah, that's sort of the argument of the book. It's, I, I like to call it the third act twist of the, of the book. Oh, and I um, gave it but, away. I'm sorry, I'm an yeah, idiot. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, Hamilton was right that you know we needed to do something to strengthen the economy of the country. We were in dire straits at that point in time. But his program was really kind of unfair. It was really beneficial to the rich and gave the wealthy a position of power they did, shouldn't have had in a, in a republic. And, and Hamilton was out there saying twenty-seven dollars. Oh, that was Hamilton. Nice, nice. Don't don't dignify that, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Madison was uh, was all what? Uh, what was his point of view? Well, Madison's view was like, hey, you know, this is a republic. We're supposed to be fair. We have to treat people equally. So we can't just give all the all the government benefits and. Uh, to this very narrow class of wealthy financiers when the country's like 90% farmers. What about the farmers? I mean, it was a fair point. Um, and that's sort of the, one of the reasons why, I, I think the biggest reason I wanted to write the book was because both of them had fair points. Neither of them was completely right. Neither of them was completely wrong. And I, and I think we still live with that tension today. Like, we want to do big things in this country, but we also want to treat people fairly with government policy and, you know, sometimes you can't do both at the same time, so we have to make trade-offs. Jay Koss, the author of The Price of Greatness, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, Creation of American Oligarchies, also visiting scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. Jay, always great to talk. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. All right, you got to stay in touch. Uh, Trump was tweeting about the ratings of Fox and Friends. We'll hit you with the cable news ratings uh, in a second. It's kind of kind of interesting. Fits into a little of what Jay was talking about. I know I say this all the time, but they will shock you. Yeah, they actually will. Who's we, on top? Who's on the bottom? We got this text. I think I'd be a top. Oh, we got this text. Your Trump-loving hatred of Trump has turned me off. I'll never watch you guys again, but I will listen. Thank you. Your Trump-loving hatred of Trump. Thank you and damn you. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Lines 
today. Text line 415-295-KFTC. A lot of you with some interesting thoughts on things we've discussed, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, first, though, I've tried my hand at uh, hate mail. I'm writing hate mail to our show. <clears throat> okay. I have had enough of your support of the attacks on the negative coverage of the fight against the opposition of those who support the unfair treatment of the Never Trump movement. I disagree. <laughs> As I thought you would. <laughs> So we were talking about uh, cable news and the ratings and, and the symbiosis with Trump and the rest of it a few minutes ago. And uh, uh, Unless you want to do the text stuff now. I don't care. Is it timely? Uh, yeah, it's stuff we were talking about earlier, but all we right. were just talking about the TV ratings. So maybe we just yeah, all right, figure enough. that out. And Trump was tweeting about the TV ratings this oh, morning? Oh, that's as, right. That's as how pres- it came up. <laughs> as presidents tend to do. As yes. we all know, all presidents are regularly... Uh, informing us of the ratings of various television shows. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Donald J. Trump uh, tweeted just moments ago. Hang on a second. Let me, uh, I might as well quote it uh, directly. Well, I don't have any it's idea. Dongle J. Trump. No, I got it. That's my Trump. I don't Thanks. have any idea, those of you out there listening to us right now, how much cable news you take in. I would suggest none <laughs> for your health, but uh, I don't have any idea. But, uh, you know, not not to well. The headline is obviously, and you're about to hear the numbers. There's a hell of a lot less people just watching in general this stuff than you would think based on the coverage it gets. So the sitting president of the most powerful nation in the history of the earth tweeted, "Wow, Fox and Friends is blowing away the competition in the morning ratings. Morning Joe is a dead show with very few people watching, and sadly, fake news CNN is also doing poorly. Too much hate and inaccurately reported stories. Too predictable." Now, what somebody says on any of these three shows gets discussed. All day long or for weeks, mm-hmm. obviously by them, but also in other media. It, it right. seems like it's very important what a host on one of these shows said, you would think. Your number one show in the morning on the cable news, Fox News Channel, with about 1.5 million viewers, a little less than that. One uh, and a half million people. Right. And I know in that a country of 340 million people. Correct. Yeah, well put. Uh, and... Uh, uh, they have uh, in the 25 to 54 demo, which is what they're shooting for, allegedly, although I, I want to get to that in a moment or two. It's 301,000, which is 21% of their total viewership. 300,000 people in the money demo. Yeah. There are radio shows that no one in the country has ever heard of that have that many people. Right. But if if... If something's said on Fox and Friends, it seems like it's a giant deal that everybody knows about. Now, the 2554 demo is useful in some ways. Like, if you're trying to build brand loyalty, you want to get young people. Um, but it, it's also a ridiculously antiquated notion. TV, it's usually 18 to 49. Yeah, yeah. In in radio, for decades, it's all, you know, 2554 has been the big emphasis. That's so stupid. That was that was started when a 54-year-old was about to retire and be dead two years later. I mean, it's an antiquated notion. The idea that, well, I'm 54, I have, I'm on a fixed income, and I'll be dead soon. But anyway, uh, MSNBC is in second place with just over a million people, only 216,000 of whom are in the money demo. And then uh, last place, fake news, CNN, 504,000 total viewers. Across America in the morning, hundred and fifty four grand of them but the, in the demo. But the money demo, which as we know from being in the business is what they look at first. That's what they care the most about. A couple hundred thousand people watch these shows across right. the country. Yeah. A couple 
couple hundred thousand. Like I said, that's no bigger than radio shows you've never heard of in your life. Yeah. Listen, boys. Well, I would tell you this, though. Fox News is making a hell of a lot of revenue on walk-in tubs and catheters and various uh, remedies for this, that, and the other thing. So, again, I think 2554 is antiquated. But even the gross number, the total number of viewers, I mean, if you group all of them together, it's almost exactly three million. Which is not enough people to make a show uh, uh, a hit on any network that you've ever heard of. No. So would, why does it get discussed so much? I don't know. Let's stop. Because <laughs> it's fun. Well, and, and that 1% of people, I think, includes, you know, the, the most informed and influential among us to a large extent. And it, that's also not how many people see it. A, a large percentage of people's consumption of news now is based off of kind of re-aggregation right. things on social Stop media. Stop making so, up words. So the, <laughs> these clips of Morning Joe or Fox and Friends get circulated much more than the actual live but viewership you, you scene. you got to admit that their influence is way outsized oh, yeah. for their audience. Sure. Oh, and that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, and almost yeah. all of them are horrible at their jobs, too. When well, you're, there's that. When you're running Rush Limbaugh's and your Howard Stern's and people like that have tens of millions of people listening yeah. at various periods in their radio careers. A hundred thousand some people watching CNN. Sure. Why would I ever even know they're on the air? Well, never mind. That's the channel. How about the individual dip S on a panel yelling at somebody else that you're wrong? Who cares? And we know for a fact, because we know some of these people, there's no money in that. You can oh, no. be the dip no. S on one of these panels on one of these shows, and they don't even pay you to show up. No, you're just desperate to keep your uh, <laughs> reputation alive, so you, maybe you can sell a book someday. Sean, uh, run us down the top cable TV shows uh, in total, cable, cable news shows. Yeah, so Fox and Friends was the top morning show, but that doesn't crack the top 10 in terms of overall viewership of, of news. They are number 14 overall. Hannity is the top with uh, in the money demo. We'll just stick with that. The 623,000 people. Uh, is the top so about double of what the morning show is? Oh, give me total numbers. Total uh, number of people. Total. Uh, th- let's see. This would be three. Unless about, it'll take too long. No, three million three hundred thousand. Okay. Number two. Uh, Tucker Carlson about two and a half mil. Rachel Maddow essentially the exact same. Tucker's uh, number two. That's interesting. He has got a very unique show. I don't agree with everything he says, certainly, but... Uh, it's a virtual tie with Rachel Maddow but in, it's, in terms of how close they are. It's at least different than all the other shows. If you, <laughs> if they all seem the same to you, Tucker is not. Sean, for people who've been listening for quite a while, Rachel Maddow is from Boise. Gotcha. There you go. For uh, the pronunciation the Nazis. The Ingram Angle and the Five round out the top five. So it's four Fox shows and Rachel Maddow in the top five. Uh, Laura Ingram? Yeah, I find her show tough to take. But the but. the reason that Ooh, Fox number six is uh, the last word with uh, Lawrence O'Donnell. Yeah, huh? the reason Not this and stupid hammering. <laughs> the reason Fox does so well is it's the only outlet in America doing that point of view. Sure. Uh, MSNBC Stop has to the compete. hammering. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, all kinds of things coming in right away. Big win for Apple. We've got day three of the Manafort trial. The judge already getting fed up. And the unexpected costs of mounting student debt. It is affecting so many aspects of our lives. Oh, Where's boy. the hammer? <laughs> That's Lawrence O'Donnell. Marshall's news and some of your texts coming up on a variety of topics, including people wearing all dark black in the middle of the night on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
story that's getting some attention. A college-age girl went missing in Iowa, and uh, she's white and attractive, and uh, that often leads to nation paying attention to it, even though this happens regularly, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also out of that came the, the, the fact that 48 juveniles went missing in July in Iowa alone. Wow, really? And uh, yeah, and then the numbers behind those numbers. Okay. So uh, it's just kind of a building story building upon other numbers. Plus, what's caused an 8,000% surge in Bigfoot web searches? Stay with us. <laughs> News now, Marsha Phillips. Well, we do have a winner this morning. Apple is the first American company to hit a market value of $1 trillion. We... Fix autocorrect. We love <laughs> fix autocorrect. <laughs> Take some of those profits and fix autocorrect. We love round numbers, don't we? It's, it's, it's... Uh, we certainly do. There's stock $999 billion company punks. Practically a kid's lemonade stand, but you give me those zeros, and now I'm excited. Stock price cleared to $203 per share to hit that trillion-dollar milestone this morning. Meanwhile, we got day three of the Paul Manafort trial now going on. President Trump's former campaign manager is being tried for multiple counts of tax and banking fraud in Virginia. The prosecutors expected to continue highlighting Manafort's so-called lavish lifestyle that was provided to him, they claim, by bank fraud. Well, the but judge... But the judge lecturing people about it? Yeah, well, the judge is uh, getting a little impatient with that gambit. After the prosecution called a witness to say Manafort was one of the luxury menswear shop's best customers, the judge, T.S. Ellis, warned they're spending too much time on the price of the suits. Here's NBC's Peter Alexander for the Today Show with a couple of examples. Some of the evidence presented, $15,000 ostrich jacket, also more than $18,000 python coat. Oh, python yeah. Coat. More outlandish garments. That's what I want to hear about. <laughs> I Never just, mind tax fraud. I, I didn't know the judge did this in a trial. Isn't that up for the defense to point out that it's irrelevant? No, well, you see it sometimes. They didn't even get to his armadillo sandals. <laughs> right. Well, the judges have schedules to keep, and I have seen it as a juror. The judge say, All right, uh, I get right, it. He I, liked nice suits. Right. I think we've established that, counselor. Right. Um, uh, it's, the, the funky thing is, he would buy everything with an international wire transfer from a shell corporation. So he'd go in and buy a $5,000 suit, and he'd say, yeah, Is it okay if I pay for this uh, via wire transfer? You're going to notice it comes from. Uh, Beachside Properties, Inc. Yeah, don't worry about it. Forget about it. <laughs> Everything he bought that way. They don't care as long as they're getting money. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Check Didn't clears. even get to his python skin beanie that he had. <laughs> Cost $5 million. Sure. A bit of a win for sanctuary cities. A federal appeals court says the Trump administration's threat to block so-called sanctuary cities from getting their federal grants is unconstitutional. This came from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. It can be done. It just has to be done by the legislature, which right. for some reason is staying out of the sanctuary city business. Because they're not really right. interested in solving any of this. <laughs> why, why can't this just leap to the Supreme Court and we decide whether this is cool or not? It clearly oh, isn't. The question of sanctuary. Yeah, cities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, the court, as you were saying, said only Congress has the authority to impose conditions on these federal grants. California, San Francisco, and Santa Clara counties both sued over the threat. I am staunchly against the sanctuary city movement as it exists now in most uh, progressive enclaves, but the judges are right. That is not cool what they did. 
marriages. I don't want an imperial presidency, whether it's the party right. I tend to swing toward or not. So you preferred Hillary. Right. <laughs> That's precisely what I meant. Marriages, it turns out, are crumbling under student loan debt. It turns out the average outstanding balance for student loan borrowers is around $34,000 these days. So you marry someone else that's got that and you're $70,000 yeah. upside down to start your marriage. And yep. you, you begin with terrible financial stress. And you take your art history degree and he takes his uh, medieval music <laughs> degree. I tell you what, and... if you ever heard me rock the lute, you wouldn't make fun of that. <laughs> Well, right, but I swear to God, the whole uh, giant, expensive, bloated university scam that's doing all this financial damage to people. Someday people look at it the same way they did the the loans to everybody real estate run-up fraud scam. They'll look at it exactly the same way as a a giant, fairly, well, quasi-criminal enterprise. It's certainly an empire of greed, a bubble of greed run by those who profit from it. Yeah, there are obviously many factors that go into the quote-unquote the millennials today and their their lifestyles right. and how they differ from previous generations. But I feel the biggest variable to all of those things are student loan debt. Yes. Got a shocker. Ohio State's football coach, Urban Meyer, who's one of the most successful coaches in college football history, has been put on administrative leave while the school investigates claims that people close to him, including his wife, knew about allegations of domestic abuse against one of his assistant coaches, Zach Smith, for years before Smith was fired last week. Smith's ex-wife, Courtney Smith, claimed in an interview yesterday that she talked to Meyer's wife in 2015 about Smith's abuse and that Shelley told her... Shelley, she said she, wanted, she was going to have to tell Urban. She was going to have to tell Urban. I said, that's fine. You know, you should tell Urban. This, we can't have somebody like this coaching young men. Zach Smith fired last week again after a court granted a domestic violence protective order to Courtney Smith. So his sin, Urban Meyer's sin, was that he knew of the allegation and didn't say anything to the university because he had an effective assistant coach. That's uncool. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. I'm assuming there is some sort of code of conduct or specific obligation he's under. I mean, if if I found out that... Uh, do you have a steady girlfriend right now, Positive Sean? Uh, no. Okay. If I found out you're slapping around your steady girlfriend... You're obligated you, to... I don't use that term lightly. Am no, I no, obligated to tell management? It doesn't seem like you would be. I... I get he's he's coaching young people. I don't know if you're I'm obligated to do anything. He's not the the, the alleged want... offense is entirely with outside of the of his professional conduct. I don't want to work with somebody who does that. No, neither do I. I would despise it. But I'm just trying to think morally, ethically, legally, where we are here. It's it's an odd uh, piece of ground. Yeah. Sean, by the way, is the very last person I know that would ever do that sort of thing. So it might have been. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, this college girl went missing in Iowa. That's a very troubling story. But 40... should I say maybe you're kicking one of your cats? Animal abuse. Forty-eight young people went missing in Iowa last month. Is there something going on there, or is it a statistical something or other? Huh. It's the latter. 
It's kind of interesting. Oh, and we got a bunch of texts on a bunch of different topics. So all that's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. bunch of different topics we've been discussing this morning and um it's hard to keep up i'm sorry i'm just bumming over this song it makes me it's really hard for me to write country songs or even you know americana songs i've never been sentenced to jail never been divorced i'm not miserable i mean i'm pissed off occasionally but i guess i'll just have to lie and talk about 30 days in the hole or something or just talk about being stuck in traffic or how you can't remember your password for an mm-hmm. account, and it's really a, a pain in the ass. I Joe, got a parking ticket once. I could write a song about that. <laughs> Joe Getty's The Affluent Blues. <laughs> <laughs> and all these damn passwords, Bob. Bon. Ah, bon, <laughs> Don't mock me. Um, speaking of music, somebody uh, texted a uh, funny thing talking about bands and their views. I was just talking to my wife about this last night. I can pretty much appreciate all music. I don't care what they think politically. But my favorites are mostly on the metal side, which most metal acts seem to be conservative. I didn't know that. Metal acts? There is, is there a, a reason that. for that? I don't know. It's I don't probably care. a gene deep within them that will be discovered in 175 years, but I don't know. I don't look into it. Yeah. I don't think about it. I, and uh, I think if you do, you're crazy, but whatever. On the other hand, when you go there to dig their groovy, groovy tunes and they give you a political lecture, that, that is a drag, man. But oh, I, don't I want, hate but that. But I don't want a political lecture that agrees or disagrees with me. Right. I don't want right. that at all. You're a guitar player. Right. I want to watch I, your play My your head guitar. is not in that space, man. Uh, we were talking about Trump earlier and his relationship with the media, and somebody said the illegal immigration issue is what put DT in the White House. Why can't sophisticates like you understand that? That was um, a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and we've said that many times, so sorry we didn't say it enough for you. Any reduction <laughs> of a single variable of why Donald Trump won the presidency oh, yeah. misses a huge swath oh, yeah. of the conversation. Right. No, no doubt. Um, and Marshall talking earlier about almost running over People crossing the road, not on a crosswalk, wearing all black in the middle of the night, that sort of stuff. Every morning on my way to work in Reading, uh, at 4.30 a.m., I have to avoid all the people wearing all black. We refer to them as the feral cats, the way they dart across the road in front of you in the dark. Black shoes, black pants, black hoodie pulled tightly over their head, black backpack, and hands in their pockets. Um, it's because they don't want to be seen. They're walking around checking, looking into unlocked cars or people's backyards. That's why they're wearing all black. Or selling meth. I'm skeptical yeah. anytime I see an adult with a backpack. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or and it also references the person you see who's riding a bike pushing another bike. Mm. You know what is that? I lost my friend. <laughs> Where or, is he? Or you stole a bike? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I doubt. I mean, because there's the uh, I'm living on the streets. The only clothes you can find by scrounging through garbage or whatever is all black. Shoes, pants, jacket, backpack, everything black. Or is it so you don't get seen while Clearly. you're, you know, yeah. I don't know. Well, black is slimming. <laughs> there's that. Right, right. <laughs> hey, they, yeah, you ask somebody, you might just say, hey, black's the new black. It's just, it's very popular for clothes. So. Um, also, there's a, a 20-year-old college girl missing in Iowa 
and it's getting some attention and growing, and it's you know one of those troubling stories. And it's, I, I hope it's it has absolutely a good ending. tragic. Yeah. I hope it has a good ending, and you know we know what that story is. It's just possibly terrible. But so it, it, it caught on that there were 48 juveniles that have went missing in July in Iowa. And so a lot of news outlets, uh, either because they found it interesting or they're irresponsible, started pushing that story because it could be good for ratings. Oh, my God, there's some sort of serial sex trafficking network in Iowa. Sure. Uh, this tweet got a lot of attention. 19 boys and 17 girls between the ages of 13 and 20 went missing in a 10-day period in Iowa. That is accurate. Don't think it can't happen to you. If you see something, say something, stay safe. And that has been tweeted thousands and thousands of times and retweeted and liked and all that sort of thing. USA Today got into the statistics behind that, and that number is not an outlier for any state. In fact, it fits in with the population of Iowa, and it's much bigger for bigger states. There's all kinds of reasons why that's true. Some of them are just statistical in that, Multiple agencies end up reporting the same person over and over, so there's a lot of duplicates that lead to that number. Mm. The vast majority of those people are found within 24 hours. It's some kid that ran away, and you find him within 24 hours. And uh, so, you know, there's no, there's no that happens all the time, uh, I guess. So that inflates the number a lot. Also, the vast majority of the people that go missing, using my finger quotes, they're leaving social services. They're not disappearing from a family. Oh. And um, uh, I was about to say. So who reports them? Like the. Well, I know somebody. I'm not going to use their name because I'm not sure if they'd get in trouble or not. But uh, I know somebody who worked in one of these uh, homes for uh, troubled youth. And uh, people would regularly just leave the premises ah. and for a, for there was a period of time when they worked there that they were able to apprehend them like grab them as they are trying to leave and bring them back to the facility but then the law changed or the policy changed or whatever for a variety of legal reasons and you had to let them go wow it's like our story of you know letting people steal stuff at the grocery store right. you got to let them go so then you just follow them and their job would be to follow them all day long and you follow them, you watch them walk down the street, you stay oh. a ways behind them, you follow them, you watch them go into the record store, you watch them. And if they commit a crime, then you can call the police and maybe get them back to the facility. But if they don't, you just follow them around, and then if it gets to be dark and late, maybe you just your shift ends, you leave, you go home. And So just, if the guy's literally, you know... This and that kid of, might be a 17-year-old girl. Right. Walks away from some, some, a, some facility. A she juvenile, just leaves. you yeah. can't stop them? No. You couldn't in this, at this period in time. I don't know what it is today. So if she's a vinyl collector and goes down to the local record store and flips through albums for three and a half hours, you got to stand next to her and say, air supply, huh? That's some real <laughs> wuss rock. Well, a lot of these places that are um, uh, social services for, for at-risk youth or whatever, they're not prisons. Right. You're allowed to leave if you don't like it there, huh. even as a juvenile, I guess. Wow. And... uh yeah, it's complicated. Wow. Okay, so that's part of that number. Mm. Well, you're not you're not technically allowed to leave, but you're not allowed to stop them from leaving. If you understand what I'm saying, you can't tackle them. You can't you can't restrain them. What if they right. get hurt? What if they? Right, right, right. So they can't leave, but you can't stop them. Correct. All right, that's great. Super. I, I tried to run away once when I was a kid. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. How I far did a, you get? Packed a bag. I went to my friend's house down the street. Awesome. And I was thinking I'll just go over here for a little bit, but his mom said he couldn't play, so then I just went back home. Wow. Oh. You, so you didn't have a long plan like I'm going to go to a junior college, get a degree? No, no. I had I, I had no <laughs> sort of way to feed myself or feed. You know, I, I right. thought through it very little. Do you remember the reason for leaving? Was there a particular instance? Ah, uh, no. Nothing that stuck no. out. Probably just something. Injustice. Yeah, that's yeah. why I felt that the 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 rulership of the 
household was being uh, hi- uh, hypo- hypocritical. Mm. What's the word? That's good. Yeah, that's, that's, a good that's a word. Uh, or it, uh, yeah, maybe that's that. Or I know in my house they they feel like it's uh, hypochondriac. I don't know. They they feel <laughs> no, that's like not the one. they feel like the rules are uh, just stifling. Right. Yeah. You know, just just really really just oppressive. Really, yeah, it, it was an oppressive regime. Right. I was trying to break free. I was a refugee going to the shores of my friend Chris's house. Right. I'm voting with my feet. My youngest regularly says, "You can't tell me what to do." Hmm. Well, yeah. Can and I, will. I, yeah, point of order, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, we've reached a fundamental point of disagreement here. And then if I ask him to do anything, like, how about we pick up those socks he just took off, and if they're dirty, put them where the dirty clothes go, and if they're clean, put them where... Why do I have to do everything around here? That's all his regular response. All you're giving me are rules, Dad. <laughs> wow. Why do I have to do everything around here? You're practically Hilarious. the president of Zimbabwe with your fake elections. <laughs> I tried to run away. My parents said to me, don't get our hopes up. <laughs> hey, now. What are you, Rodney Dangerfield yes, exactly. Now? I told wow. the taxi driver, take me where there's some action. He took me to my, my house to my wife. Hey, hey what? No, huh? What? The uh, bizarre campaign charge from that Congress race in Virginia. The Democrat candidate uh, leveling the charge that the Republican candidate is into Bigfoot erotica has caused an 8,000% surge in Bigfoot web searches. Really? Yes. One of the cartoons found on the man's Twitter feed showed a sketch of Bigfoot with a censored label over its private area. Another point of order, it's a fictional beast, so it doesn't have a private area. Western cities and the homeless problem in the news again. It's just, wow, never ends. And here's a headline for you. The NFL isn't ready for how big of a disaster this season will be. Oh, I want to talk about that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.